Welcome to Chatting Wine, the video and podcast series where we talk about all things wine related, keeping it simple, interesting and informative. Check out our Instagram page if you want to see more details. Cheers! everyone welcome back to another episode of chatting wine um today we've got our um podcast guest all the way from canada renee renee say hi to everyone hi everybody my name is renee sferazza i'm a court of the master sommeliers certified som from toronto there we go so someone a bit different not uh, not from the uk which is nice um all the way from canada um a lot of you may not know that Canada is a big wine um, making country, but it is, and it's getting um, better and better. Um, I think that'll be a podcast for another day, Renee. But, yeah, um, for sure. Happy to tell everybody that Canada does more than ice wine. We have lots of great <laughs> stuff going on here. We 100% will go into that. But um, today we're going to talk about um, tasting wine um, and what we should be looking for in a wine glass. Um, it's all well getting home and, and um, having a bottle of wine and just going through the motions. But actually, what are you tasting? How should you be tasting? And, and all the above. Um, Rene, firstly, talk me through your, your sommelier. Um, talk me through how we go about tasting wine. What are the sort of, what's uh, step by step? What should we be doing with tasting wine? There's essentially like four main steps that you should do when you're tasting wine. The first one is to look at the wine, and that's when you're kind of holding the glass almost uh, parallel to your body so that you could see the wine uh, through the light. And you should be, uh, if you want to see the color properly, you want to hold it over like a, a white surface or a neutral colored surface. And this way you can see like what the color of the wine is. You want to look at it first. That's the first step to look at it. To so look at the color of the wine. Is it ruby? Is it purple? Is it garnet? how intense that coloring is like is it opaque or is it translucent how close is it uh to like a water white even for white wines and uh, then you can pick up the glass and give it a swirl and you can start to look at uh, the legs which tell you those tears that come down the side of the glass that start to tell you more about what the wine is and then from that point you move on to smell so swirling your glass again taking a, a big breath in uh, through the nose, keeping your mouth a little bit open and trying to, to decipher what you are smelling. Is it like a fruit note that you're smelling? Are you smelling like earthy notes? Everything in between. And just trying to get uh, a good sense of that. Then you're going to be tasting the wine, swirl it around in your mouth and start to really get those flavors if there are any fruit flavors or anything coming through in the wine or earthy flavors and then you start to explore the structure how much acidity it is isn't it tannins those things that make your mouth dry and how the alcohol feels and then the last step is critical thinking about it so you start to put everything together from look smell and taste to kind of come up with your thoughts about the wine what the wine is telling you from where it's from and just like what's happening within the glass Cool. So, so going through those steps. So the first one's looking at the color of the wine. Um, what will it tell me about the wine if it's, if it's light? So, so if it's a white wine, okay, if it's really clear, almost water-like compared to if it's very yellowy. I mean, what, what can you get out of that? What will that mean? So uh, it tells you a lot about like what the grape is and uh, what the aging process has been done to the wine. So white wines get their colors from uh, the flesh of the grape itself. 
uh, so that inside a uh, little bit, not the skin. And some of those that have a little bit more of like a stronger yellow coloring or up to a golden coloring, like you would find in a pecorino, which is a classic Italian wine. And then other ones you'd find that would be a little bit lighter in coloring, like certain productions of Riesling or almost like a Pinot Gris as well, or a Pinot Blanc. Uh, then if you also see like additional golden hues, it might've been oak aged or bottle aged or just showing oxidative notes to it where air has been interacting. And that is changing the colors in the wine. For red wines, it's, it's a little bit different. It tells you uh, a little bit more about the, uh, the skin thickness of the wine and the, and the processing because the color comes from the skins. Right, and then going into flavor. So if you've got, you might get a light, talk about reds now, if you've got a light red, like a very mm -hmm. light colored red and a very dark colored red, what would you, without tasting it, you may be able to sort of decipher what that's going to taste like. What would the taste notes be if it's say light or dark? So uh, light or dark, it's when you're this trying to decipher. It's all very generalized, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's all really generalized. When you're talking at like a lighter red or a darker red within the glass, uh, what that's going to tell you is how much skin contact has been on it. So certain grapes have thicker skins than others. Pinot Noir classically has thin skins, while Cabernet Sauvignon classically has thicker skins. So if the coloring is darker, it's going to tell you it's coming from like a meatier, thicker skinned grape versus a lighter one. So in terms of, of flavors, you can start to think, okay, well, it's lighter colored. It might be like a Pinot Noir, might be a Gamay Noir, might be an Etna Rosso, something that's done a little bit in a lighter style. So I'm expecting a little bit like a, uh, a structure with some softer tannins and maybe a little bit more brighter acidity. There might be some more like lift within the wine overall versus like a darker colored wine, which would be coming from like a Cabernet Sauvignon or a Merlot, a Zinfandel slash Primitivo, um, is more of like those thicker skin, darker colored wines. And those ones are going to be telling me that I'm going to expect just a little bit more heft in the wine. I might be getting some more alcohol characteristic within it. Uh, those tannin structures are going to be a lot stronger. I'm uh, probably going to be finding a little bit more depending on where it's made in the world, a little bit more like heft and fruit characteristic because it's spent more time on the skins as well. You mentioned tannin a couple of times there. Can you explain what tannin is? Yeah, so tannins are really interesting because it, it's more of like a physical texture. It does affect flavor a little bit. Tannins are those things that physically make your mouth dry. They're really interesting because they're these really, really long molecule structures. And basically what their job is, is to strip fats from proteins. We are a protein. And when you're eating like meats or kind of fattier based foods, they, they kind of clean your mouth out. Uh, the other thing that they react with is like the back of your tongue where you have those bitter sensory areas. So it can add a little bit of bitterness as well to the overall flavor of the wine, but when it's in balance with everything else that could be there, it uh, really plays well. But that's that physical feeling of your mouth being dry. Cool, yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, explanation of that. Um, so we're going, we're tasting the wine. There, there are these five structure points of wine, aren't they? Can you explain what they are? Mm -hmm. So there's uh, five structure points in wine. We have acidity, 
tannin, sweetness, alcohol, and body. So those are the five structure points. So the first one that I mentioned is acidity. And that's the amount of like acidity or pH that's in the wine. Um, so what acidity basically represents itself as on the palate is how much you're salivating. So when you're starting to think of, oh, how much acidity is in a wine, think about like how much you're salivating if you're drinking water, which is like pretty much very, very neutral, basically no acidity or bitterness either way to like when you've had a lemon or if you've eaten the lemon and how close you are in salivating, uh, how much you're salivating when you've had that. So that'll tell you how much acidity is there. Like I said, tannins is that bitter texture and feeling. So is your mouth the driest it's ever felt before? Or is it like not so dry? Or are you feeling like pretty okay? So that will give you a sense of how strong they are. The next one is sweetness. Sweetness is perceived on the palate in uh, two ways. There's the dry or off-dry version of sweetness, which is how much residual sugar is left in the wine. So that's like the actual sugar content of the wine. And if you have like off-dry wines, like a German style Riesling, uh, you can really kind of get more uh, leftover sugar on your palate. It makes it feel like sweet and almost like a, a like a rounder coating to the tongue. Or you can also be getting sweetness from fruit notes. And that's the perception of the wine feeling sweet. The wine could be dry, but have like a ripe attack in the fruit notes. They feel very ripe on the palate. And that can also influence how you are perceiving the wine, but you won't be getting those like coating textures of sweetness. The next one is alcohol. And that's literally the, the amount of booze that are in the wine. Alcohol, yeah, <laughs> alcohol is going to affect the overall texture of the wine as well. The more alcohol you have, the less it feels like drinking water and the more it feels like drinking like, uh, like a sugar drink, like Coca-Cola or something like that. It adds more texture to it. And it also makes you feel physically warm. So the more alcohol is in a wine, the more you're going to be physically feeling it. And then the last one is body. The body of a wine is basically your perception of a bunch of different factors. So uh, the grape that the wine was made, in, uh, made from can affect the body of the wine. Some grapes make more of like a fuller bodied style or have the ability to like a Cab Sauv. Some make, can make like a full to medium style, like a Sangiovese. Some make more of like a lighter style, like a Gamay Noir. And even for white wines too, with a lighter style being more like Pinot Grigio, and then a fuller style meat being more like a Chardonnay or a Viognier. It's the amount of alcohol that's there, uh, how all those like sweetness and tannins and acidity are really playing on the palate. The more acidity that you have, the less the body will feel. And all those five factors together create the balance of a wine. When a wine is in balance, all of those five factors, acidity, tannin, sweetness, alcohol, and body, play together in harmony, which is the mark of a good wine. Right, so that's what everyone's looking for, isn't it? Like, you want balance in the wine. You don't want it to be all over the shop. And these, those five points are clearly... Wine is obviously very subjective, but this is not. This is like these are the facts in wine, right? This wine will have high tannin for a fact. This will have low sweet, low alcohol for a fact. So those are the facts, right? But 
they don't necessarily mean the wine's good. The wine, everyone's got their own personal preference, right? So some people will like higher tannin and some people like higher alcohol, um, I imagine. But they should all be balanced. Is that right? Yeah, that's, it. that's exactly it. So like there is no such thing as the best wine or a good wine across the board. Like what, in terms of what your preference is, like you said, like some people can like earthier flavors and higher tannins and some people might like sweeter flavors and lower alcohol. And it, that's personal preference, but no matter what your personal preference is in that category of what you like, what is would be considered like a good or a bad job in the bottle would be how balanced it is. So if the wine has a lot of sweetness to it, then it should have enough acidity to make it feel like you're not just drinking sugar. If the wine has a lot of uh, alcohol and a lot of tannin, then you're going to want to have a, a nice body to it that's going to have that nice structure overall. So those are those things that kind of like play in balance with each other and create what would be like an amazing wine versus like, mm, this is really subpar. Maybe I'll drink it at the end of the night once I've already had a few food glasses of the good stuff. Mm. And I imagine like this is, this is a technique that a lot of people in the wine industry use, but I imagine the majority of you out there who just want to have a nice glass of wine aren't going to go through that whole process and we get it like you're not going to you're not going to sit down and right go through the five stretches you won't because you just want to sit down and enjoy a glass of wine however i think it, i think it is important to actually be present with what you're doing i did quite an interesting wine tasting and, and with a mindfulness expert and we talked about how actually it's all about getting glass of wine sitting down drinking it but actually really thinking and looking at the wine and tasting the wine first before you get on to getting pissed later but you you sort of just <laughs> i think you should be at least just look at the color, have a smell, have a taste, think, right, this is something new I'm drinking. This is a, a Primitivo, this Italian Primitivo I'm drinking. I haven't had Primitivo before. Let's just see if I like it or not. It's quite dark, quite rich, not for me. Okay, cool. Well, that, that then cancels that section out for you, doesn't it? And then you can look onto the lighter styles. Exactly. I think the most important thing when you're like critically tasting or academic drinking, as I like to call it, if you are just someone that enjoys wine, is that try not to think about, do I like this or not? Because if, if, you, if you don't like a wine that you're trying, like try to define why you don't why? like it. Yeah. Why yeah. don't I like this? So it becomes a lot easier for you to start to see what you really do like in a wine and what you could really do without. So you might not be thinking about how the acid, the acidity, the tannins, the sweetness, alcohol, and body play within the wine, but they're really great ways for you to start to define what you like and what you don't like. So like you said, with the Primitivo, Primitivo has a little bit of a softer tannins, but it's a little bit more hefty. It has lots of black fruit notes and red fruit notes. And maybe you don't like one aspect of that. Maybe it tastes a little bit too fruity for you, but you, but you don't mind the softer tannins. So that's where you're, you're starting to, to figure out, okay, I don't like this. I can now define what I don't like. And now I can use that to figure out why I like what I like and how to ask about what I like and drink more of what I like more often. And that helps going into a wine merchant, doesn't it? Because then you can say, this is what I like. What do you recommend? And they can push you in that direction and then recommend really interesting wines. And it's something I imagine as you do as a sommelier is a big thing. Um, at, at, uh, at restaurants or bars, whatever. I imagine you get that all the time. Yeah, I think, uh, I think people 
don't necessarily know how to put it into words. But uh, I think when people are defining what they what they like and what they don't like, it it often is a little bit different than the terminology that you would use as a sommelier. So you end up becoming like a, a translator of sorts for wine. Mm -hmm. So you'll have somebody, this is one of my favorite examples where someone will describe something that's actually completely different of what they like. So you'll hear a lot of like, I want a full body red wine that's dry. I don't like a lot of fruit notes. And I, I'm, I, I really just, I really don't want it to feel like, too syrupy on the palate. And then I'll ask them, like, what's your go-to favorite? And they'll tell me Napa Cabernet. And to me, what they described is actually like a Barolo from Italy because they like tannin. They don't like a lot of fruit notes. They really want it to feel like lean on the palate where Cabernet Sauvignon, it has a presence of tannin, but uh, it's, I wouldn't say it's as stark as a Barolo. There are present fruit notes within it. And it does, it can have a little bit more residual sugar. So what you're saying and what you actually like are, are two different things. Because I, I think that once you start to learn the terminology of wine, you can communicate what you enjoy best. You kind of can get over those, uh, oh, I got this great wine from the wine shop or, or from uh, the restaurant. And then you try it at home, or you try the glass, and you're like, ah, they did a bad job. I really don't like this. And it's kind of like, I'm not saying that like the that the sommelier is always right or the wine shop merchant is always right, but there's there's a way to communicate so that you know that you're getting what you like all the time. Right. right. Yeah. And it must be, um, I think for, for for yourself, it must be great to have a customer who comes in who sits down and you say, what, what can I get for you? And they say, well, do you know what? this is kind of what I like to drink. What do you recommend? You must love that compared to someone coming in just sort of guessing because you know, you're getting them better wine and they'll be closer to enjoying that glass of wine. Yeah. I often, I, I really like when people do that. They give me like a reference point. It's like, Oh, I, you know what? I, I really like German Rieslings and I love Gewurztraminer. Um, what else you got? And so that tells me that they, they like a white wine that has like a rounder, maybe a rounder texture, something that has a little bit more sweetness, maybe something that doesn't go above like 13.5% in alcohol. So I'm going to start thinking about what that would mean for them. And I might recommend like a slightly drier version of a Moscato di Asti, which has a, a very, very light bubble to it, more of a frizzante. Or you can also start looking at... Uh, maybe a Viognier, especially from the new world, because that would give a lot of texture and a lot of fruit notes, but without having, um, without being overpowering in terms of how the acidity would be on the palate. And the same thing goes for the red wine. Like if you can give reference points and be like, oh, I like this and I like this, uh, then it starts to, you start to get the cogs turning in the person that you're talking to, be it the sommelier or the wine merchant, and they can start to pull out the structure points of the wine that you actually like from those examples. And that's what wine recommendations are really based on is yeah. those structure points. And I think even when, if you've just started, right, if you're just getting into wine and you don't know, um, just, just be honest and say you don't know. And then they'll start simplifying it for you. And they'll try mm -hmm. and guide you to the right place. And probably it's likely if you're just getting into wine, you might like something with a bit more sweetness because it's a bit more commercial and that you can be moved on to other things. Um, but I think it's, it's great to, if you are getting into wine and you're moving up the ladder slightly, 
and you've got a, a, a vague idea, that's when you can start really exploring other things and going to the, the right wine merchants, the proper restaurants who will advise you as Rene has been doing for you today. Um, <laughs> totally. <laughs> and it, it, it it's all comes down to one factor. Just keep drinking more wine, whether you just <laughs> keep, keep drinking more wine, whether you like it or not start to figure out from there. But just the more you drink, the more you're going to actually learn. And also don't forget that your palate is going to develop over time. You're probably not going to like the same things with the same level of intensity that you did when you started drinking wine to once you've dived in deeper into drinking wine. 100%, 100%. It's a bit like, you know, you're not going to from the age of 17 to suddenly start liking whiskey. Uh, well, it's very yeah. rare. It usually takes a while. You go through the steps, you have a beer, you have a lager, you have an ale, you have some wine, you have some scotch, and then you start, you're like, you're, you'll start moving into it. But um, it's just about exploring, exploring and keep, uh, keep enjoying it. Um, mm-hmm. Renee, thank you so much for today. That was awesome. Um, and a great sort of um, introduction about how to taste wines and sort of what to look for and how to ask the sommeliers. Um, so thank you so much. And we will see you next time for Canada, hopefully. Yeah, Canada, hopefully. I also love talking about Italy. I'm an Italian heritage Canadian. So I would be happy to talk about either. Awesome. That's great. Thanks so much, Renee. You too. Have a lovely day.